Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. Doing what it. is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again. Welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And today we're here with Colt Briner. We, we were having a whole discussion about this beforehand of how to pronounce his name. The last few episodes have been that way for me of just stuttering and skipping over people's names and all sorts <laughs> of good stuff. But so guys, Colt, I just have to put this out there as like one of the most diligent men. I had to cancel on him like four times <laughs> and so glad he was, he stuck it out to, uh, to come here on the show. And he's probably sick of me saying that because I've said it like 15 times in the past 10 minutes. But Colt is the founder of Scrappy AF Solutions. This guy's marketing company is unparalleled. I really loved his own branding, what he's trying to do with his company. And he's here really today to share the prompt that I always give to my guests and nobody fills out. But it's, how would you take a business from zero to a million dollars? And what are those seven key factors that you believe can take you from zero to a million dollars? So Colt, first off, say what's up to everybody. And we'll hop into that framework. Right on. Well, thanks, Josh. What's up, y'all? I'm excited to have this conversation. And I I guess I'm glad to be one of the few people who actually filled out the form ahead of time. This is great. <laughs> one of the few people who even like thinks about it before they come on the show. So I do appreciate you, man. So sure. let's dive into it. Though. I, I am just curious, you know, and, and uh, you can go as deep or shallow as you want into this. I'm just really curious from a marketer's take. Yeah. Obviously, being a marketer myself, I love to hear it from that angle. So, so I'll just shut up now. You do your thing. All right. Well, so I did write down seven things. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily a sequence or a roadmap. They're just they're just points of guidance that have certainly colored um, my path to success and the uh, um, the approach that I've taken to support the businesses that I've been in as a C suite member and grown to billion dollar valuations and that type of thing. These are the, the the tools and tactics that worked for me. So I would say first, number one. <laughs> is uh, updating your mindset for the new market paradigm of access. And what I mean by that is single individuals now have access today to things that only billion-dollar corporations had access to uh, a couple decades ago. So if you think about whether it's knowledge, talent, capital, production resources, audience, whatever it is, we, we now as individuals are massively empowered. So if you have a sense of where you want to be, and maybe you've identified, you know what I don't have is I don't have a chemical engineering degree. I can't do that. Well, you can go get the chemical engineer that you need for the six hours that you need them for, you know, right off of Fiverr, right off of Upwork. They're there. Yeah, they're going to charge you $250, $300 an hour, but you can skip the whole thing about hiring that person, having the benefits package, et cetera, recruiting. You just need them for six hours. Go get them for six hours. So whatever you've identified that, that is a, the obstacle or barrier that you're missing, it's there and you need to get the mindset going that you have that access. And if you find that you're not actually missing anything, but you're still not there, the one thing you're still lacking is accountability. And lo and behold, accountability is also available to you online. So if you need like a marketing coach to hold you accountable, if you need a general business coach, if you need the get my act together coach, they're all out there. Just like going to the gym, you've got the gym, you know where the membership is, you know where the weights are, you know how to work out, but you're not doing it and you haven't gotten to where you want to be. Accountability is the only thing missing. Go buy it and you'll get to where you need to be. That's my right. first tip. Well, and Colt, you're going to be the guy to hold them accountable to getting an accountability coach, right? That's that's how it works. 
Absolutely. Totally. <laughs> That's your step one. So, well, and, and I wanted, I was going to interrupt you for a second there too, because what I think is so interesting, I'm curious, do you believe the statistic that 95% of businesses still fail? Do you believe I, that? I, I, I don't. I, I think that they, they, they either get, you know, acquired and that could be considered a success. They get, they get morphed, they get merged. I mean, it, we really, if that's just like, is the name, is the name uh, still on the shingle out front gone or not gone? Is that the way we're looking at that? I, I don't think that that's really the right measure. Right. Because like, in the online space, I'm like, I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs. I haven't met a single one who has like closed their doors. Totally. Years. Yeah. Right? And, and I, just to support your point, I think that it's because all the resources are available to us now. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will say, okay, so if you, if you look at the, the, the list of companies that was in the Fortune 500 in the year 2000, 50% of those companies are now gone. It is expected right. that in the next 10 years, 40% more of the remaining 250 will also be gone. Does that mean that they got acquired, merged? There's a lot of consolidation going on. I mean, did their technology get purchased and the shell got dismantled or what? All those things are, are possible. So if you're just looking at the list and saying, not here, not here, not here, okay, then you can have the thought about all these businesses failed, but I, I don't really think that's what's happening. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that entirely. I, I heard a different statistic where they were saying that 95% of first businesses sail, uh, or, uh, fail, but I think it's 80% of the second businesses succeed. I still don't think that's 100% correct. I, it's a little bit more believable to me. Sure. Yeah, but, I like that. But in the online space, I'm like the only failing in like the services or online space is just quitting. <laughs> it's like just giving up on it, you know? Yeah. It's just a time game of figuring out how to get leads and how to close sales and then how to fulfill on it, right? Yeah. And you need to really get like, I mean, you need to do some corporate proctology to figure out what is really going on inside a business. What what did the founders aim to create? Did they succeed in that? We have to define failure as as much as we have to define success to really answer that question. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really. I know it's like totally. I, I digress on that, but it was it's just something on my mind. So it, let's, let's move they on. They say to step that two, in yeah. in nine, I think it's nineteen sixty. The the lifespan of a company on the Fortune five hundred list was seventy five years. Now it's fifteen. Wow, is that? I'm that that's believable though, because everybody's like just trying to sell and acquire and yeah, cash out at the next level. Totally right. Yeah. Interesting. I don't really like that world, to be honest with you. The whole like acquisitions world at the top tier is just not my cup of tea, but totally. Yeah. It's, I like the scrappier side, right? Just uh -huh. to play on your, your brand. <laughs> right on. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, I think that's honestly like that branding is going to stick with you for life. It's perfect. So let's move on to step two. You have seven steps. Step two is uh, lean validation. So the, the quickest way you can get to buy it now. Uh, is what I would recommend. So you're trying to find that market fit. I, I see. I know that it is that it can be comfortable, easy, rewarding, fulfilling to craft your product, to craft your solution, to code uh, your software, to tweak your SaaS. I mean, whatever it is, I know that that can be fulfilling, rewarding, fun. You can do it all night long. Just you know, burn them in that oil kind of thing. Stop it. Stop doing that shit. Create a screenshot. Create a video of some fake thing that you built in Axure. Uh, put together a prototype that has a you know shell front and is completely empty from the back. Whatever you need to do to get something in front of an audience next to a button that says "Buy it now," do that as fast as you possibly can. And if the experience that they get when they click the "Buy it now" button is 
I am so stoked. You want to buy this solution. Thank you so much. We're right in the middle of delivering it. We wanted to make sure everything's awesome. You are now going to be on the list. Uh, we're going to let you know. We're going to give you early access. You can make that experience excellent for the person who clicked that button instead of, ah, it's not around. Sorry, screw you. Yeah. You, can, <laughs> you can turn it into great exclusivity. You can turn it into whatever you want to, to make it a rewarding experience for that person. But make sure that you've, you've built an experience that, that has that emotion of, I'm going to commit my money to this now, right? The, the buy it now button is there and get there as fast as you can. Yeah. I love that speed to market, right? So funny that people sit here and they just you know, analyze and analyze and analyze. I was actually just in a mastermind and a guy said something so funny. We're all podcaster. Like we have different companies in the podcasting space. And he's like, I have this guy who was just about to launch his podcast two years ago. And now he's just a little bit closer to launching his podcast today. <laughs> uh -huh. I'm like, that is like the atypical entrepreneurial faux pas, I guess, where they're sitting here Oh, I've got, I've got to make it perfect. And you're like, just launch it. Just, just nobody's going to buy it either way. Just launch it and then see what happens. Yeah. And it, put the first one out. I mean, like if you're, if you're aiming to create a podcast, the first one, this, let me say it this way. The second one is going to be a lot better than the first one. Oh, and yeah. I, I always tell people, let's make your first piece of shit, man. Let's do it right now yeah. because the next <laughs> one's going to be better. And if you're trying to avoid making uh, the bad one, the first one suck. If you're trying to avoid that, you're just going to keep spinning. You're just going to keep spinning. Move past the idea. Let it suck because you're really aiming for the second one. That's the one you're trying to create. And you can't possibly do that until you've made the first one. Right. Fail, fail forward, right? Like we, Absolutely. We people launch shows all the time and they're, they're so concerned about everything. I'm like, launch your first 50. Ep Nobody's even going to listen until your 50 episodes in. T totally. Like if, if you get 50 episodes in and you're like, yeah, that sucks. You could just change the topic. Nobody even noticed. <laughs> Uh, so listeners. True. That is so true. <laughs> uh, and it's the same thing with business. It's like, even if you sold a whole program that you put together, you've got five users, mm -hmm. right? Keep filling on the product for them and then change it. Yep. Make it better. They're not yep. going to complain if you make it a better offer for them. Jeez. Okay. Step number three, let's move on. Step number three is build up your creative capacities. Um, people will be asked, are you creative? And generally they think about uh, do I paint? Do I draw? Do I sing? Do I dance? And it's like, if it's like, no, 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 so I'm not creative. Well, first of all, cr creativity comes in a thousand dimensions um, and building up your creative capacities means you're going to be better positioned to succeed as an entrepreneur in every possible way. Yeah. Much like interpersonal communication and emotional intelligence, creativity will impact the areas of your, uh, more areas of your business than almost any other skill set that you can develop. So creativity will apply in uh, your package design. Sure. It's going to apply in your deal making. It's going to apply in the way that you craft your job descriptions. It's going to apply in the way that you recognize and reward uh, employees who are doing well in your organization. You, you can't name something in your business that creativity isn't going to enhance. So think of it like creativity can be built up much like athleticism can be built up. You just have to know the exercises and tools, find the fun ones that work for you. Got a great book from the uh, Stanford D school called creative acts for curious people. It has like 70 different exercises that you can take to build up your creative capacities. It's a phenomenal book, tons of fun, great stuff to do with your business teams too. If you build up your creative capacity and the creative capacities of your team, you're going to outperform your competitors every time. 
Yeah, that is a brilliant point. I love that because I, I started to tell myself I wasn't a creative person because I am not very good at drawing something or painting something or anything like that. I just think I'm impatient. That's half the problem. But but what you're talking about is like that gives you an eye to know when things are being created correctly, when you start to understand those things. So I, that is a brilliant point. I love that. Yeah, there's um, there's if you look them up, the nine intelligences, uh, it's an easy thing to Google. You can also think of it as the nine creativities, and mm. and you will find that there will certainly you will find that there are areas where you actually have a great strength and areas where you have weakness. What I would say is, find the areas of your strength and play to them in your work. Find the areas of your weakness and play to them in your playtime. Right. So, like, use use your playtime to build up the areas that you're weak. Use your work time to leverage the areas where you're strong. Nine intelligences. Just think of them as creativities. Yeah, I'm pulling them up now so I can see them. Spatial, naturalist, musical. Oh, that's cool. That's it. Interpersonal linguist, bodily kinesthetic, interpersonal existential. Interesting. So, I mean, you could adopt some of each of these. That's cool. Yeah, and everybody is some of each of those for sure. It's not like it's not like a Myers Briggs thing where you're ENTJ or or not. Right. You're you are a combination of all those things. Absolutely. Yeah, that is cool. I love that. I'm going to totally steal that. Okay. So number four, let's move on. Number four is go purpose-driven. Purpose-driven organizations are outperforming in every measure of business right now, including, and probably for some people, most foremost on shareholder return. And what it means is more than just having a slogan on the wall about like the impact you're trying to achieve in the world. It means you've actually operationalized purpose in your company, which looks like the, the top item on the agenda whenever you have a meeting is the impact that you're having. Uh, relative to what you're trying to achieve in the world. Uh, your job descriptions include it. The way that you reward and recognize your people includes it. Um, how basically everything that you do is oriented around purpose. Everybody who sits in your organization knows how their role ties all the way up to the ultimate purpose. You could take the story of, of John Kennedy's visit to, uh, sorry, JFK, JFK's visit to NASA um, when he encountered a janitor, I don't know if this actually happened or not, but it, it, it encapsulates the, the theory here, encountered a janitor and asked the janitor, what do you do here? He said, oh, I'm putting a man on the moon. It's like, if you build an organization in a way that, that regardless of the role that a person is playing, they know the impact they're having on the world, on people, on life, on nature, on whatever it is, you'll be succeeding as a purpose-driven organization. You'll attract and retain better talent. You'll attract and retain better clients. You'll, you'll be better defended, better able to defend against disruption. And on the converse of that, you will be better positioned to be the disruptor in your marketplace. Right. Wow. Just as a, as a side note here, how do you do that as a marketing company? Because it is such a flooded niche nowadays, right? How, how are you guys doing that yourself? Um, so for me, my, I think of my purpose as it's a combination. i driven by purpose and powered by creativity, which is why this, this is my number four and the number three, which is the one that you just heard are, are together. And I'm, <laughs> I'm out there to make sure that uh, people who are working in companies are able to, to flourish in their creative abilities, because I think that's very important, and that organizations are moving towards a new model of business on this planet, that being one that is purpose-driven, where it's not just about how much money can we make, but it's really about what kind of impact can we have. And ultimately, I think that that's the sea change that's currently happening in the same way that sea changes occurred in the, in the electrification of, of companies 
Uh, when we went into robotics, we went into digitization, then computers, web 1.0, web 2.0, all these things were huge sea change shifts, right? And each one of them left huge swaths of winners and losers when they happened. Swear to God right now, the shift that's happening is the purpose-driven shift. Companies that figure that out and operationalize purpose now are going to win in the same ways that companies that adopted all the things I just mentioned, robotics, web 1.0, 2.0, huge winners are happening right now. And those are the ones that figure out how to go purpose-driven. Yeah, that's actually a really cool point. And I would agree with that. It's, it's coming along with like a almost like an era of transparency that people are trying to do. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of like social media platforms or anything, but like, yeah, cause everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that, but I, I do think that, <laughs> I do mm-hmm. think that <laughs> I'm not even going to mention it. Cause I don't plug social media cause it's all stupid. So I, I think that, uh, the, that change though, of being more transparent, like we're watching brands who've been quote unquote professional for decades right. are humanizing themselves. Yeah. And it's so cool to see because it it allows us to stop saying, okay, well, we need to be like, like Apple and we need to be like, you know, XYZ huge company. It's, it's starting to be like, we need to be like, I, people keep saying Zappos is, is a good one. You know, I don't even really know about their culture to be real with you, but, but yeah, there's all these different companies who are big companies that have adopted that. So I, I agree entirely. And I think there has been a big shift in the market with that. Yeah. And the wins have been huge. Yeah. 100%. So then number three, you said you, you hit it. I like missed it. What was the third one? Oh, so yeah. Well, I'll just recap from one to four. So yeah. update your mindset to the, to the um, unprecedented access that we're in with the new paradigm. Two was the lean validation, get, get quickly to buy it now. Three is building up your creative capacities. And four is going purpose-driven. Ah, okay. So then five, what is five? Five is around intellectual property. I see a lot of people freak out about, about protecting their ideas. I also see people freak out when they bring me an idea and I say something like, oh, oh, that's a little bit like such and such. And they just collapse. Right. And they just become <laughs> puddles on the floor. And I'm like, hey... Settle down, man. First of all, being first in the market is brutal and often means you won't be succeeding ultimately in the longest run. Second in the market is sweet. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a it's very a pretty, good thing. It's a very good thing, exactly. Um, so if you find something that's similar to your idea, don't puddle out, man. Stand firm here. You're, you're actually in really good shape. Somebody has already done the hard work of defining the market for you. Excellent stuff. Uh, number two is uh, uh, as people pursue intellectual property protection, I, I do have a caution. Number one, it can really slow you down uh, and it can be very expensive. Number two on that is even if you do secure actual patent protection, really what you've done is you got yourself a ticket to a courtroom. You haven't bought the ability to stop someone. You've bought the ability to take someone to court to maybe stop someone. And that is a massively expensive idea, especially if you're if you find yourself in a fight with a, a large organization. It will be expensive. A lot of intellectual property protection is easy to get around. If they've got great lawyers, they find a way to work around. So here's the deal. The best way to protect the value of what you're creating is to gain traction in the market. (laughs) I mean, get a following, get people who like you, have a personality, something that people can connect with. Don't just be out there supplying XYZ widget. Be out there as something that people want to see win right? Build fans, not customers kind of thing. That's really the best protection you can get for your idea. Yeah. Cause I mean, you could change your brand and they're like, well, we love you. It doesn't matter what the name of the company is. Totally right. Totally yeah. right. These are cool, man. You're, you're actually shifting my paradigm. So this is good. Ooh. 
you know, it's, it's funny that you look at a lot of companies that deal with this. And I know I'm talking on a, on a much larger scale, but everybody thinks that being second to market or fifth to market is a horrible idea. But what's so intriguing is if you watch the way that Apple and Samsung play the game, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I sold cell phones in college. So that's just always top of mind, right? Sure. Apple has the re- most ridiculous people have killed each other to get the first iPhone. It's insanity. Like literally murder <laughs> yeah. each other. Yeah. And I don't know how you sleep at night making a product that does that, but anyways, but then secondly, you have the Samsung users and, and everybody thinks that it's like Apple versus Samsung and it's not, it's, it's Apple versus I'd want anything but Apple <laughs> and, True. and, and they're like, they will take any phone. Luckily, Samsung just provides another great solution. Right. And truth be told, th- there's not really a big difference between the technology and, and everybody's like, well, why does Samsung not surpass Apple ever? And I don't think it's their plan. They're like, we're just going to ride right behind them and we're going to pick up everybody that they burn and we're going <laughs> to just keep killing it, you know? Yes. <laughs> Shrapnel collection. Exactly. And yeah, selling it, selling it for five cents a, <laughs> or a nickel or whatever. For That's a, a really good point. No, I, I hadn't thought about that as it's like potentially the, their actual strategic dynamic being, we don't intend to, this is just working so well. We'll do this. And, you know, I think that Apple does have the potential to alienate big uh, sections of the market if they keep doing some of the, the behaviors that have just pissed people off. And, right. I, and ultimately, it's not a matter of do something better. It's just wait for the leader to screw up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the the second, if the second screws up, nobody even cares. It's not even yeah. like posted. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, anyways, so we could go on for days about that. But anyways, number six, let's move through it. Six is half a personality. Um, mm-hmm. You know, big companies do have to play it safe. And if you're if you're small and a growing company, you have the ability to express something in the marketplace that you know might put some people off. But if you do that, then you have the potential to also be something that others go, that's for me. You've actually said something besides total vanilla. You've expressed something besides, you know, completely flat. And I, I can dig it. And this is how you go from uh, building a customer base to building a fan base because fans want to see you win. And um if you think about how to how to build a personality as a as a company, work first from your own personality. Don't fake it. Start with where you are. People people who like you like you. People who don't don't need to be bothered with for now. Stick right. with the personality you have. Express it in a in a meaningful way that that's kind of like come out there boldly. This is me. This is who we are. This is what we're about. This is our pers- our attitude. Whatever you want to say. Um, and don't be shy about it. Because again, that's an advantage that smaller companies can play to that big companies have to go super conservative on. Right. Yeah, I agree entirely. You haven't said anything I disagree with. This is no fun. Come on. Well, let me see. What I, well, let me see if we can do on the last one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> go for it. Number seven. Number seven is really being honest with yourself. So uh, again, the prompt that you gave me was seven steps, rules or strategies to, uh, to getting to a million dollar business under a year. Right. That's a that's a big undertaking, and it, this is where I say be honest with yourself about what you're really trying to do. Because a million dollar idea takes a million plus dollars worth of effort to actually get the million dollars out of it, and doing it in the, right. in the time frame of a year, massive undertaking, right? And people can sell you shortcuts all day long, but they're selling you shortcuts is what they're right. trying to do there. Look, if you just want a lifestyle gig, if you want a if you want a company that's going to generate a million dollars a year, and that's that's what you want because you want a million dollars a year, not because you're driven by producing some great solution or fixing some problem or having some kind of impact, 
if the million dollar mark is what you're trying to hit, just go buy a company that's making a million dollars a year. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the ultimate shortcut. There's there's plenty of companies out there. They have different in different industries, different multipliers for valuation, and and that that wheel is invented. So just go buy it. Right. People don't don't know that or believe that. We're having another guy back on, Carl Allen. Who, if you are looking to acquire companies, he's a great guy to work with on that. But like you're saying, Cole, it's it's more about being the, the creator and, and building the lifestyle that you want. I've been yeah. finding recently talking to people like you, you know, people who've become so successful and the the pervading belief is like you pass about 250,000 in income, you've pretty much hit everything you could possibly need if you wanted to buy it on payments, right? Like if you wanted to buy everything in cash, sure. that obviously wouldn't do it. But you, you could afford about anything that you would want. Yeah. And for most entrepreneurs I talk to, it stops being about the money at about that point. Because they're like, you know, I am fully safe and taken care of. And this is US dollars. So I don't know what it is in other yep. countries, but <laughs> so it's just so interesting to me to see how everybody deals with that. You know, I, that is 100% consistent with my experience. Love it. So, oh, come on. You got to tell me, like, what do you think? What do you think is something that I would disagree with you on? Do you have like some controversial like mm. belief that you put out there often that people are like, I don't think so, man. I, social media is definitely one. I think it's a complete waste of time. <laughs> yeah, it's a time suck. I agree with that. I, I, I remember it was about a year ago now, um, the moment I decided TikTok had to come off my phone. Um, and I hadn't been in it for long. I know people can get into TikTok streaks that last for hours. I was in it for about 45 minutes. But there was something about just, you know how, you know, the dolly effect in, in a movie where the camera moves away, but they zoom in and the background goes like super far back. That, exactly. Yeah. That was exact. I, I came up from my phone. It was just like reality sort of like came swimming back in. And I was like, whoa, that was <laughs> an intense encapsulation of my full focus. I, I didn't even know where I was kind of thing. And and that was like within seconds, I was like, this is off my phone now. Can't yeah. do this anymore. <laughs> See, it's not even like, like I, st I still have social media. My team uses it. I, I think people overvalue social media in a business aspect. Sure. sure. I, I think the ad side of them can be very valuable, but I think so many people are chasing these likes and follows and hundreds of thousands of millions of followers. I've worked with people with a million followers who can't close a single sale. And <laughs> it's, it's the saddest thing. Like you worked <clears throat> all this time and you can't even make five bucks. Yeah. That's, that's just kind of sad. Cause like, even if you suck at marketing, you should be able to sell something for $5, but um, well, we have, we're going to have to get another conversation at some point. Cause I really want, I, I want to open something up where you and I aren't aligned and figure out what's up, you know? Yeah. And we are, you on it. That's always yeah. fun. I'm, I'm not a like, okay. I'm an extremely opinionated person, but I like to hear other people's contrarian views because it allows me to say, okay, this is why I believe what I believe in. Maybe I'm wrong and I'm totally. okay being wrong. Um, I will say Clubhouse is one thing I argued with people over and over and over again. And I evangelized that it was going to fail. It was a straight, yeah, anyways, I'm not going to go into it, but <laughs> it's it's funny to me that people who are like, Josh, you need to have a Clubhouse room. And I'm like, no, I don't. No, mm -hmm. I don't. It's going away. <laughs> anyways, good stuff. So, but we'll we'll have to have one, Colt. We'll do a we'll do a co-interview later and dive into it. Yeah, right on. Um, well, I, I really do appreciate having you on here, man. It's been an awesome conversation. So I'm going to ask you the cliche final question to get a good mic drop moment for our social media that we don't care about listeners, right? Oh man. <laughs> Which is just, could you leave our audience with one final parting piece of guidance? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a repeat of my, I'll say the two things that I think are the most important, build your creativity and go purpose-driven. Those are the two things that are going to separate the winners from losers in the 2020s. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan podcast. If you learned anything from this or any other episode, make sure you rate it and share it with another entrepreneur who could help. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the flip side.